Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Up horror fans, get ready for the bloodiest, splorchiest, most satanic episode yet of Wizard and the Bruiser. Or should I call it Gizzard and the Bloodzer? No, Wizard the Bruiser's fine, Jake. Hi, I'm your snuply, puply, delicious uh, bruiser, Holden McNeely. And I will be your guide into the world of darkness, your evil <laughs> wizard, Jake. I just didn't feel like you had to really come to uh, the <laughs> to the recording wearing all these prosthetics and all this um, uh, special effects. There's makeup. a pneumatic pump in my neck that will squirt giblets at you. I mean, it is a podcast. No one actually sees us at any point. Three people broke their limbs. Okay, yes, Megan. Uh, Megan sees Megan sees us. That's true. She does appreciate the four hours of makeup that you <laughs> underwent in order to walk into the studio and record this podcast. I'm drowning in my own sweat. Of course, today we are covering Evil Dead. I mean, I, uh, this is this is a a episode after my own heart, and um, I want to thank Chase for uh, uh, patronizing us oh. uh, to get this episode done. Chase, uh, this one goes out to you, and we hope we do it justice for you. Evil Dead, a film series that I was turned on to in college. Um, I, uh, I, We both have similar stories. Why don't we talk about our personal experiences okay. with these? I know you said, uh, quote-unquote, that your uh, experience with the Evil Dead franchise is, quote-unquote, weird. Mine, uh, as well, uh, I think a lot of people might have this situation where they saw the second one first. My friend in college, my buddy Ken, shout-outs to Ken, on uh, freshman year of college, he turned me on to a lot of things that I became um, a big fan of. Super Metroid is one of them, and Evil Dead 2. He said, sit down, we've got to um, intake various sort of substances that might make a movie like this more fun, and watch Evil Dead 2, and cut to about a half an hour later, and I am on the floor laughing. I was so just... Uh, to use the same word again, floored by what I was seeing. I mean, uh, as a lover of kind of offbeat, weird comedy, but slapstick comedy mixed with like horror elements. Um, uh, I didn't know that anything like it existed. And I was just so ecstatic when I saw really uh, uh, horror and comedy come together in ways I'm still attempting to make happen even to this day uh, professionally. Oh, well, uh, I first saw Evil Dead 2. When I was eight, 
Whoa. Because a weird neighbor kid Yikes. showed it in his living room, Yikes. and it scarred me for life <laughs> because I had no reference for horror movies, <laughs> zombies, possession, <laughs> what latex makeup is, <laughs> violence in general, and like even I, I was a suburban. I never even knew what a chainsaw was. Like it, <laughs> the seeing it again for the, like the the second time for this uh, podcast, it like blew my. It finally gave contextual like. Uh, 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 yeah, it gave context to all these nightmare imagery things. Like, even, okay, okay, like, the, even the fact that the movie had a bad ending, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, like, Evil Dead 2 ends with our main character screaming in agony, having, like, realized that he's been properly fucked by life itself. <laughs> it, like, it really, like, fucked with me as a kid. And, like, now the effects that seem kind of goofy and strange, like, were to me really like just deeply upsetting uh especially that rotten apple big monster head that bursts through the door at the end yeah yeah like it looks so goofy now it's, it's squirting it's blue rid- it's ridiculous goo. and as a kid i was like this is the worst that has ever like my eyes <laughs> um i was a scaredy kid also gremlins 2 fucked me up again true i was a timid child me too i didn't get into horror until college actually this was maybe the thing that got me into horror jake mm. i don't think i really was into it before then uh, uh, this kind of showed me how horror could be gleefully fun and, and how you could get together with friends and scream at the TV screen mm. and, and and really uh, or, or, or movie theater screen and really have a, a phenomenal evening out of it. Um, uh, and then, um, uh, of course, it ends on a cliffhanger. And so uh, I ended up grabbing Army of Darkness not too long after that and having a fucking killer time watching that. And then after that. I went back and watched the first Evil Dead probably like a year or two later, like um, uh, finally got around to it. And I was like, whoa, this is like a a straight horror movie, B, a super low budget, like (laughs) cheapo, uh, uh, cheap horror movie. C, with like ludicrous amounts of special effects, like like I just remember that ending sequence of events are just so I felt like the movie was too long. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but, but also that like it really keeps going when you totally think it's going to end and they just keep throwing insane imagery at you and all the claymation and everything. Oh it's my just God. Complete madness. Like, um, um, so really like we're going to cover, but, but the story of the making of the first evil dead is really the, the, the reason for the season here for this podcast. And I think for in general, when you're learning about evil dead, uh, I think uh, it's really important that, uh, it's it, to help cover a lot of the ground that we should cover for context. You should listen to our Friday the 13th episode. Sure. Because we really get into what that era of post Halloween horror movies were going to be post texas chainsaw massacre like what like hollywood understood that like horror was going to be is like a big deal and like uh evil dead is kind of an early you know the the formula wasn't set yet there were these vague trends these vague ideas of like slasher movies Uh and violence and chainsaws and like even uh the exorcist you know the uh what sam raimi and his team did is kind of took all these disparate uh, uh, influences and like really made something that is a singularly unique voice, even though you can tell where all the component parts came from. Uh huh. Yeah, it, it's it's and and this is really such a work of passion. 
um, on the parts of Bruce Campbell and especially Sam Raimi. And you, and we have to talk about them to start. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam Raimi, born in Royal Oak, Michigan, to a conservative Jewish family. He was the fourth of five children, and he was a big fan of The Three Stooges, which is going to come back into play later. Mm-hmm. His father bought a movie camera... Uh, brought a movie camera home, rather, and they started making Super 8 films. He started making films with a lot of his friends in the neighborhood, one of which was Bruce Campbell, who, of course, plays Ash Williams in the Evil Dead uh, films. Also born in Royal Oak to a homemaker mother and an amateur actor and traveling billboard inspector father. Um, he has <laughs> That sounds like a job that you tell your family so that they don't <laughs> get suspicious about your other family. He has two older brothers um, and met Sam Raimi in Wild E. Groves High School. Now, I loved this book. I read it years ago. Um, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor mm-hmm. by Bruce Campbell, uh, a Phenomenal. I believe that's the name of it, by the way. Uh, there was there was uh, that, and then there's If Chins Could Kill. Like, he's done two popular... So, books. I didn't read the second one, but the first book is so good. I picked it up because I wanted to know everything about how Evil Dead was made and about his whole process of, uh, you know, those films. And I ended up way more loving the earlier sections of the book where he just talks about funny stories about his childhood growing up with Sam Raimi in that neighborhood and his family. Um, He just tells these one... I was, like, laughing out loud reading about these stories about his childhood, about his you know, it was a lot of families and a lot of fun kind of kids getting into trouble up to no good in the cul-de-sac you know, it reminded me a lot of some of my upbringing, um, and I just really love that stuff. And I would just say, uh, uh, definitely read Confessions of a B Movie Actor. It's a great book. It gives you so much information on how evil, uh, the grueling process of making the first Evil Dead and oh, onward into his career. I mean, or you can just listen to the next couple minutes of the show. Yes, absolutely. You can also uh, there's do that. Actually, the relationship between Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi. Uh, they talk about how, like, early on, the friends all decided that Bruce is the handsome one <laughs> and he's going to be the subject of the films. Ah. And I feel like that's a thing that happens a lot with uh, movie directors, especially, like, even the filmmakers I know uh, growing up through, like, uh, through college to adulthood. Like, they'll settle on, like, a friend of theirs that, like, uh-huh. is close enough to their sensibility but is handsomer than them. And they'll be like, well, I can't be in my movies. You be in my movies because you're basically <laughs> handsome me. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, so, so anyways, they, they make a bunch of movies together, um, and, and then they, they all go off to college. Uh, Sam Raimi goes to Michigan State University and leaves after just three semesters. Um, while he's there, though, he makes a film called Within the Woods, a short film, uh, that was back in 1978. It was shot on a budget of $1,600, and it was a 32-minute prototype that Sam used to raise up the money to go make The Evil Dead. He also used a film he made, um, I think, back before Clockwork? he went. To, uh, it's it's Murder. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a film he made with his friend Scott Spiegel, who's going to come back later in our tale as he would go on to co-wrote Evil Dead 2. Scott met Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell at West Maple Junior High School. I mean, these names of these schools are so perfectly like... Americana, you know, homegrown. Spiegel worked at the local grocery market, and that is actually what Raimi used as a a location for a lot of his work. Um, And apparently it was the suspense... It was at least one particular suspense scene in its murder that inspired Raimi to get into the horror genre. They make within the woods and then they go through the intense process of raising up money to get 
Evil Dead. Did you made. end up watching Within the Woods? I did not. Did you? Uh, I, there's like a really shaky VHS oh, wow. rip that you can find on YouTube. Awesome. But it's, uh, you know how like when you watch the Evil Dead, it's like a little weird to see like skinny, gawky nerd uh, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, this is even skinnier, even, even skinnier gawkier. and gawkier. That's amazing. It's shot like very low budget. They like explicitly say it's like Native American burial ground shit, <laughs> uh, but. It's a lot of the same shots. A lot of like uh, a lot of stuff was uh, borrowed and brought into Evil Dead, uh, then known as Book of the Dead. Yes. So before it was at this point just the Book of the Dead, and it would go on to be called that for quite some time, even after it's filmed and put together. Um, and so Raimi essentially like, and I, you know, I Bruce Campbell writes about a lot about this in his book, so um, it's really very impressive. This part, Raimi goes around just cold calling and knocking on doors to try to raise up the money for his movie. He was able to just like a scrappy motherfucker. He went around and got that money that they needed was they were going to, um, they required, they did the math in their head. They had the time set up. So basically this is the dream, the dream of these three, uh, it's, it's Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell and, uh, Rob Tappert. Yes, Rob Tappert. Who is another, like, Three Musketeer that helped them with all their little movies and shows. He's like a producer role, right? Yeah. Um, They were like, we're all going to be together in the summer of 1979. We have Sam's really great script about yelly zombie people. Um, And uh, all we need is $150,000. And they start talking to, like, friends of friends. And, like, you know, they're like, isn't, like, uh, so-and-so's cousin a lawyer? Like, he can help us, like, figure out what to do. And so they settle on selling $10,000 shares of the Book of the Dead. And they need to sell 15 of them. And part of the arrangement is that um, if they make it to 90 grand, they can start shooting and get the rest later. And, uh... (laughs) Uh, They get setback after setback after setback. Um, Yeah, they're cold calling. They're like scrambling to get things done. Their initial plan was uh, to shoot it, the the professional movie on Super 8 film, which is a consumer grade. Like if you actually look at the film stock, it is like a tiny cartridge. Hmm. Uh, The audio like the audio is recorded on like the perforated reel of the movie. Oh, my God. It is terrible quality. And the idea is, oh, we'll just blow it up to 35 millimeter. Yes. Bada bing, bada boom. We'll save money. They tried doing test shots and apparently having blown up the eight millimeter footage to a full movie screen had film grains the size of hailstones, according to uh, according to reports, uh, according to this website I'm reading from. Um, (laughs) And. This was the kicker. They made it to $85,000 in the initial uh, public funds raising, and they had to beg those backers to please let them just start shooting anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, Literally begged, by the way. Like, he actually, at some points, begged backers for money uh, uh, to get this stuff to happen. I mean, it was like his family, his family friends, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. He ended up uh, approaching Phil Gillis, uh, a lawyer um, uh, of a friend who was unimpressed by Within the Woods, but sat down with him and kind of gave him the rundown on how to produce uh, Book of the Dead. Um, It was originally titled that, by the way, because it was uh, Raimi uh, had a deep love of H.P. Lovecraft. The Necronomicon. And of the Necronomicon. Whatever, it's called in the in these initial movies, like something Mortis mm-hmm. Demonium. I'm sorry, I didn't take notes on that. 
Um, I mean, all of this is like bare bones as fuck. Raimi puts out an ad for casting in the Detroit News, and uh, Betsy Baker and Ellen Sandweiss uh, answer the call. Betsy plays uh, Linda, and uh, Ellen plays Cheryl Williams. Um, and uh, they had um, uh, Tom Sullivan uh, was the makeup advisor for Within the Woods, and he was brought on to compose the effects. Um, the cast was almost all friends and family of Sam Raimi. They tried to shoot in uh, Raimi's hometown of Royal Oak, but they ended up going to Morristown, Tennessee. It was the only state that showed any interest in Well, more important than film. that, they set aside the summer of 1979 to film, and by the time they actually got the money to start shooting, it was pretty much almost winter. So they had to get out of there. And so they, d- they assumed, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll go south. And uh, that way we can shoot outdoors in this ca- in a in a cabin and get it done. Uh, ironically, as it'll be as first first sign that like this movie was cursed. Uh, mm. Tennessee had the coldest winter on record for decades when they were filming. Yes, yes. While uh, Michigan had one of the warmest winters on record while they were gone. I mean, it just sounds like from beginning to end, such a total absolute nightmare for these people i mean they're sharing a cabin it's it's uh, horrible conditions that had a phone line connected but I, no plumbing um uh the uh, muddy dr- encampment the muddy driveway that they used to drive onto the uh, cabin set which was handpicked by the tennessee uh board of like you know film and tourism it was like oh we got just the place for you uh that uh, froze over the driveway froze over. So they had to like get out of their cars and walk all the equipment down an icy slope. Every time they wanted to set up shots on the first day of filming, the crew gets lost in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) There were several injuries uh, associated with the shoot. Um, The worst one, of course, apparently of of, uh, the legend is uh, Betsy Baker's eyelashes were straight ripped (laughs) off of her face during the removal of her face. I believe. I mean, then to wear contact lenses the size of glass for the demonic eyes. They were these the sclera. Yeah, the you know those white contacts. Uh, that technology was not uh, was not great at the time. It so. took ten minutes to apply them, and they could only be left on for fifteen minutes at a time because the eyes were unable to breathe. When you uh, when you see the footage, when you watch the movies now, even Evil Dead Two had this. Those uh, those contacts are completely opaque. So when you see the deadites kind of like jostle unnaturally, like you know animalistic blind creatures, it's because those actors are super blind. Yes. Now, while uh, this is all going on, though, there's some really exciting stuff going on in terms of uh, Sam Raimi's direction. Because even the crew themselves were kind of shocked when he started setting up uh, Dutch angles uh, mm-hmm. for, for the. Because if this is, again, this is a B cabin in the woods, B ass, B horror movie. This is like. So when Sam Raimi starts constructing. Um, different you know uh, uh low budget rigs to because they they couldn't afford decent equipment they couldn't afford a camera dolly and stuff so they had this one camera called the vaso cam and it was a mounted camera that was a uh, slid down along wooden platforms to create a more more fluid sense of motion it was so called it was, the vaso cam because Vaseline. yeah that yeah. was their lubricant uh they did have access to a professional steady cam but because the shooting had been delayed for so long they could only use it for a couple of days before they had to give it back and that's why they had to invent the shaky cam which they mounted onto a piece of wood a two by this is the famous when you think of sam raimi you think of these swooping highly uh kinetic one take camera shots mm-hmm. where the camera is moving at an 
unspeakable pace, uh, either uh, because it's sped up or because it's two people holding the camera on a single two by four and just running through the woods. It's either that or Ramey himself running through the woods with the makeshift rig, jumping over logs and stones. Uh, acting as the unseen force in the woods. Literally, if you could imagine a man like Sam Raimi with a camera just mounted to his chest, sprinting <laughs> through the woods like a maniac. I mean, this is low-budget ingenuity at its finest when you were just forced to get crafty and, and think outside the box in order to get c- certain shots and things. I mean, it's it's di- dynamite what, what they were able to achieve. Don't forget the Ramo cam, mm-hmm. yes. which is uh, for the effect of when the uh, camera burst through a glass window it involves the cameraman the lighting guy and a third guy who's just kind of like with a big wooden broom smashing stuff right before the camera hits it it's it's uh, it's incredible so i mean and it's just such a nightmare for the for the cast and the crew the whole time and yet at the same time sam raimi's showing up and doing all this like interesting camera work doing things in in b low budget b movie horror films that you normally would never see um for the actors it was a complete nightmare um raimi uh Uh, believed that to capture pain and anger in his actors, he had to abuse them a little at times, saying if everyone was in extreme pain and misery, that would translate into a horror. I mean, one would say naturally they were already miserable and in pain just due to the basic conditions of the shoot, but um, the... uh, uh, Bruce Campbell's ankle is famously uh, gets stabbed through with a pencil and they added that shot because he had injured his leg while filming and so they set it up that he would have a limp to make up for the fact that Bruce Campbell was literally limping his way through individual shots. And uh, Remy did enjoy poking Campbell's injury with a stick he found (laughs) in the woods to exacerbate the situation. Several actors had been inadvertently stabbed or thrown into objects during production. On the last few days uh, on set, the conditions had become so poor that the crew began burning furniture to stay warm. No, this is, um, it's oddly enough, a friend of mine, uh, Isaac, uh, was uh, my former college roommate and was a big horror fan. I'm sh- he's probably going to be screaming at me for how much I'm going to neglect from this episode, really inspired by Sam Raimi. And I helped him shoot a zombie horror film with oh. the heavy Evil Dead influences. We awesome. had a chainsaw, uh, and we shot it on one of the coldest days Hot. in January, and we used Cairo. Uh, corn syrup mixed uh, with food coloring for the blood. Which and, they did as well in Evil Dead. And I know from firsthand experience that that shit in cold weather sticks to everything and fossilizes and you can't yeah. get it out of anything. Uh, and it's terrible. And this entire production is dumping gallons of this shit. It's all over the floor. Uh, they're taking ashes from the fireplace, dumping it on the tacky blood on the ground just so like people can... Physically walk over it, spilling more blood over it, throwing more ashes on that. They're knocking down like walls left and right just to like get extra shots and moving the camera in ways they needed to. Um, the uh, yeah, the effects are miserable. The Se- winter is freezing. Several actors went days without showering because of the freezing conditions. Um, most mo- several caught colds and multiple illnesses. Through those terrible uh, conditions. Uh, Campbell, night, Campbell literally called the filming process 12 weeks of uh, mirthless exercise in agony. Uh, <laughs> one night, uh, someone just stole all of their power tools. 
Ah, uh, yes. Not realizing that the film camera was worth twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> uh, and so some unlucky soul on the crew every night had to be tasked tasked with sleeping in the freezing cold cabin every night just to watch over their shit. Yes. Um, huh. There's actually a, a cute thing that I found where um, one, over Thanksgiving, on the uh, a they were they got driven into town by. Uh, Gary Holt's mother-in-law's house, the Brock family, and they played football and they enjoyed a warm meal mm-hmm. in a nice warm house and everything was good. And they actually uh, took out a newspaper ad uh, to thank the Brock family. And then they actually have it. Uh, the Renaissance Film Corp wishes to thank the Jim Brock family of Dover Road, Morristown for making us a part of their family on Thanksgiving Day while we were so far from our homes and family. Uh, we were the, uh, so far from our homes and family here in Morristown filming the motion picture Book of the Dead. And there's like a nice photo of like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and all the actors and a lot of the cast hanging out with this like random Tennessee grandma. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, I was just looking at the picture there. So after all this, uh, uh, all this nightmare uh, uh, scenarios and everything, the filming finally did end on January 23rd, 1980. However, they did have to go back for four days and shoot some pickups. Um, and the whole well, thing ended with Campbell oh, having more, monster more crazy guts fact. Um, splattered. Oh, hold on. <laughs> the whole thing ended with Campbell having monster guts splattered on him uh, in the basement. Yeah, Jake? Uh, because the filming was supposed to be eight weeks and it was supposed to be in summer and it ended up being 12 weeks, by the end of the shoot, it was literally just like Raimi and Campbell and like three other guys yeah. getting those final shots for the movie. Like the bitter end. Yeah. Uh, it's if you notice a lot of uh, if you notice in the movie, there's a lot of uh, fake shemping, which is a term that uh, Raimi and uh, Bruce Campbell seem to use a lot because uh, when the uh, three stooges, uh, when Shemp of the three stooges died, uh, he yes. was still committed to several more shorts. So there's lots of scenes where it's just a shemp-shaped human from the back being filmed. Sitting in on. Yes, yeah. right. So they used it was like Raimi's hand instead yeah. of the actor it was supposed to be. Yeah, a lot of that stuff, right? So, uh, so it's, again, just through sweat and persistence and just a complete disregard for their bodily health, this movie was made. So at the end of it, they have this giant mountain of footage, as it was termed. Um, 100,000 feet oh, of 16-millimeter film. They cut the film using a Detroit Editing associate, uh, Association run by Edna Paul, or at least that was the editor they got from the association. And her assistant was a young Joel Cohen of Cohen Brothers fame. He actually did the editing uh, uh, for the Shed sequence. Yeah. And that was his big uh, thing that he was known for in, in the Evil Dead editing. Raimi's um, approach of filming a prototype within the woods inspired Joel to do the same thing to get Blood Simple made. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're actually going to we're going to get uh, the Coen brothers involvement more and more, uh, way more than I ever thought in, in Sam Raimi's life and career. It's kind of insane. Uh, Hudsucker proxy, man. Uh huh. Um, oh, um, what, what what's the Hudsucker proxy connection? I, I think Sam Raimi like co-wrote it. Co-wrote it. That's Let amazing. Me d- hey, Wikipedia. Tell yeah. me if I'm wrong. What's tell me news? if I'm wrong. This is the song. Uh, many sounds needed to be redone in the editing room. They were stabbed dead chickens to replicate the sounds of mutilated flesh. Uh, Campbell had to scream into a mic for yes. hours, apparently. He did. He did. He co wrote. Uh, screenplay so awesome. by Ethan Cohen, Joel Cohen, and Sam Raimi. That makes so much sense. Uh, <laughs> you know, like looking at that movie, that makes so much sense. So, Raimi wants the premiere to be a big, big to do. Um, he ends up getting custom tickets. 
Uh, and uh, he has. I, can you explain what this? It says they had wind tracks set in the theater. Do you know what are wind tracks? I don't know. There was. I tried to like look that up and I couldn't fi- figure it out. I mean, I tried to do a basic Google and I because I uh, the way this movie actually made it to theaters is a little mixed up. Like because there's the premiere and then there's like they went to various like um, festivals to try and get like distribution for it, and it's it kind of had a weird. Um, it kind of had a weird uh, uh, birthing process after the principal photography is, was done. Even the uh, it's still called Book of the Dead at this point. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. They they for for the one that he did though, and and he also had ambulances outside of the theater, which I love to kind of build the like this is dangerous. This film, a thousand people turned up, way more than they thought would turn up to this thing. It got an incredibly enthusiastic response, and it really inspired Raimi to tour the film around in order to try to build up some hype. Um, he, he, again, just like raising the money for this film, Raimi is really scrappy and he, uh, he was able, uh, to, uh, show this film to anyone willing to see it. He was just going everywhere trying to get this movie in people's hands. Um, and one promoter named Tom Sullivan was, uh, disapproved of the title book of the dead. And was it Tom Sullivan? I thought it was Irvin Shapiro. Tom Sullivan yeah, was... First, first one. First one was Tom Sullivan. Oh. He suggested alternate titles such as Sex Bad, Must Kill, and Lick the Blood Off of My Shovel. Was this also... Because I have d- d- fee monsters and these bitches are witches. <laughs> which I was trying to figure out. I'm like, is that a joke? Did someone like, fa- like fuck with... Well, because it's Wicked still part of like... Page? It's still the... Ex- you know, this wasn't... This is still part of the uh, exploitation movie genre. Yes, right. Where like X-rated movies were shown in dingy theaters for gross perverts of course of course uh no but yeah it was Irvin Shapiro who like officially uh like suggested that they change the name of the film Irvin Shapiro fascinating guy as a teen he wrote uh, reviews for the Washington Herald then later moved to NYC and got into distributing foreign films to America and getting indie films overseas he worked as a distributor for over five decades and he introduced America to several foreign films such as the cabinet of Dr. Caligari the battleship Potemkin wonderful film and go Dards Breathless. I mean, this guy really was um, uh, a huge name in the sense of getting movies overseas back and forth. He handled films for young directors such as Martin Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick, and um, uh, George Romero. Um, and he, when he saw uh, Evil Dead, he said, quote, it wasn't Gone with the Wind, but he did have an interest in distributing it. But first he has to change the title from Book of the Dead. It was too boring. And um, they went with Evil Dead because they said it was, in quotes, the least worst title. Um, other options, the Evil Dead Men, uh, Evil Dead Women, as I said, Fee Monsters, Blood Flood. <laughs> Ridiculous. So uh, anyways, uh, uh, Shapiro is actually the reason why Evil Dead was distributed worldwide. And they really did catch so much fire uh, in the international market. So if it wasn't for Irvin Shapiro, Evil Dead probably would not be where it is. Uh, it's today. Um, Although it was a cult classic here in America, uh, in fact, um it was uh, it was it was Stephen King's like uh, yes. wrote a review of it, yes. and Stephen King was the official like nerdy horror weirdo cool author of the era. 
Um, it feels weird to imagine a young Stephen King, by the way. It's okay. So Stephen King watched it because Irvin Shapiro's actually was also a founder of the Cannes Film Festival, and so he had Evil Dead screened at the 1982 festival. Mm-hmm. Stephen King was at one of the screenings, and again, Irvin Shapiro, big reason why Evil Dead's where it is. Mm-hmm. Stephen King, probably an even bigger reason why uh, Evil Dead is where it is. I actually have some excerpts from that review. He oh. was at one of the screenings, and he wrote a rave review for Twilight Zone magazine. Um, and I was able to pull some excerpts. Um, the Evil Dead has the simple, stupid power of a good campfire story, but its simplicity itself is not a side effect. It is something carefully crafted by Raimi, who is anything but stupid. He also goes on to say, what Raimi achieves in Evil Dead is a black rainbow of horror. Mostly what's going on is Sam Raimi, who is so full of talent that somebody unable to get it together might be tempted to wonder if gobbling the man's fingernails could possibly do any good. I have no idea what that is. But I, it was weird. Yeah. The, in Evil Dead, the ca- I think he was doing a lot of cocaine at this time, right? Always. In Evil Dead, the camera has the kind of nightmarish fluidity that we associate with early John Carpenter. It dips and slides and then zooms in so fast you want to plaster your hands over your eyes. The film begins and ends with crazy, exhilarating shots that make you want to leap up, cheering at Cannes. French cinema freaks did exactly that. But so far, nothing is shaking in Raimi's native country. In spite of the standing ovations at Cannes, the smart Hollywood thinking is that the day of the raw horror film has passed. Asked what he wants out of the business, he says, Right now I want to make enough money to get my car fixed. It's been sitting out in front of my house since we finished Evil Dead. My folks are pestering me to have it taken away. That car, by the way, appears in every single one of the Sam Oldsmobile? films. The Oldsmobile. Bruce I don't want to do that. claims that uh, it's the reason uh, it keeps appearing is uh, Sam Raimi lost his virginity in that car, <laughs> and he's a bit of a sex weirdo. Um, also... More importantly, like that car is Uncle Ben's car in Spider Man. <laughs> like yes. when he when when Tobey Maguire gets the great power, great responsibility speech, it's in the Evil Dead car. I don't want to do that. I want to get it fixed. Raimi's car, it turns out, is the one driven by the hapless college students in Evil Dead. At one point, it almost drops through a decaying bridge. The crew saved it after the crucial take, but as he turned into his home block after the film was wrapped, the engine caught on fire. It's sitting there now in Detroit. So's the film, waiting for an American distributor. Any takers, question mark? What a way to... Yeah. Holy shit! That's the end of the review. Like, that is the best thing you could possibly have happen to your horror film. Stephen King literally <laughs> pro- asked Hollywood to buy it. How fucking killer is that? It's it's really incredible. Um, and, and he he really... It's, it's wild how much of a part Stephen King had in Sam Raimi's career. Like, that is such a pivotal... Mo- Any takers, mm-hmm. those two words, it, it's such a pivotal moment for him uh the movie does incredibly well in yes. japan mm-hmm. in italy in the uk um because it does get international distributors um and in so in parts of the country where they're less kind of hung up on stuff and like really respect the spectacle of horror it's like life-changing because this movie is pure horror spectacle in an era where like horror and spectacle weren't actually like you know they it was still like kind of shuffled to like exploitation like uh-huh. movies anyway um uh, this is a fun fact uh and the scottish premiere hmm. uh it's opening weekend the evil dead uh lost it got second place do you know what movie it lost to what fucking et again <laughs> <laughs> of course 
Uh, Stephen King's article also attracts uh, uh, the attention of British film distribution agent Stephen Woolley, uh, who is known for his work with director Neil Jordan, uh, who did The Crying Game, an interview with a vampire. He liked Raimi a lot personally. So we went the extra mile promoting the film in the UK with posters and trailers. At this time, also Fangoria starts covering the film heavily. And again, really, really uh, helps... Uh, push the film along and and really start building up hype for it like Raimi wanted. New Line Cinema then writes Raimi a check to pay off all of his investors. I mean, what an amazing day that must have been for him. What a breath of relief. Um, they release the film in an interesting way. They release it uh, for the time, at least. They release it both in cinemas and on VHS at the same time. Tons of domestic promotion uh, involved. And um, the initial release was actually still viewed as disappointing. It only made $108,000 on the opening weekend. Um, and it went on, though, to make over $600,000 as a sleeper hit, nearly $2 million overseas. Two years later, it becomes UK, the UK's best-selling film release that year, When it, uh, because I guess they re-released it on VHS a couple years later. It was also, uh, in the UK, it has, a, it has an yes. infamous past of being... Video nasty. It's a video nasty, that one. <laughs> I love it. The phrase video nasty is so... It's so British and, and, and so ridiculous. Video nasty. I tell you, these video nasties will corrupt our children. Yes. It got an X rating. I mean, this probably helped sell it more than hurt it at really at the oh, end of the absolutely. day. Um, the, the video nasty is, is the term that UK uh, films, uh, the, that films were given in the UK when they were being criticized for their like violent content. It was a moral panic, just like how in American mm-hmm. there were video game panics is just the, vi- yeah, it was just, no, don't look at these incredibly sexual movies. Cause it was also like, oh, they're really killing people in these movies. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there was Can, the you whole know, cannibal Holocaust was in yeah. there. Yeah, was was Friday the Thirteenth in there as well? Probably. Yeah. yeah, it was all. I think it was all sort of aimed at trying to be like these movies are dangerous, and you should, <laughs> which is like the best thing you can do for a movie. Like you, the most, the best you can do is is yeah. uh, label it a, a, a danger to society. So after Evil Dead comes out and becomes this cult hit, all this while. Um, Raimi ends up going off with the Coen brothers and writing and making a movie called Crime Wave, which is a comedy about a death row inmate, and it's a uh, big box office flop. Now, I need to see Crime Wave. Have I don't you think seen we do. Crime Wave? I think it's it's like a slapstick crime mm-hmm. comedy, like because the Three Stooges influence is so strong. Yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing because. Raimi was like a huge fan of like the Stanley Marvel era comic books, um, slasher movies, and uh, and the Three Stooges are like the yeah. three things that keep coming back to yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and what I love when he mixes that pot perfectly, yeah, it's mwah, like that is three things that go together so well, like. Uh, if you do it right, but but if you don't do it right, yeah. it's real, real bad. And that's probably what Crime Wave is like. I haven't seen it, though, and I really want to see the it. The market just like, again, the I, the Three Stooges is like a really acquired taste. Like, I remember as a kid, be at the most dumb I'd ever wa- I, I will ever be and most like ready for Three Stooges. Even I was like, this is in black and white and these old Jewish men are depressing me. So while Crime Wave was being worked on, though, Irvin Shapiro suggests to Raimi that he work on a sequel for Even Evil Dead. Raimi, though, felt that Crime Wave was going to be a giant hit. Meanwhile, and I can't believe he did this, and I'd probably be pretty pissed off if my distributor did this, he started putting out ads announcing a sequel. Mm-hmm. Regardless, 
which would make me crazy. Um, Dino De Laurentiis approaches Raimi to direct a Stephen King adaptation uh, of Thinner, um, which Raimi turns down. Um, uh, Dino De Laurentiis is an Italian film producer. He's produced more than 500 films, including Conan the Barbarian, Halloween 2, and Barbarella. A uh, really eclectic mix of, like, gonzo movies. Yes. And and he was also producing Maximum Overdrive at the time, which directed was being directed by Stephen King. Now, this is Stephen King at maximum cocaine power. Yeah, right. He, like, talks about how this entire era was a blur to him. So King hears that Raimi is having trouble financing his Evil Dead sequel. So he approaches De Laurentiis and is like, hey, you got to throw down, all right? You got to, you have to make, get this, make, get it, get it, mate, get it. Look, look, uh, look, I have such calculator, stuff to talk What if a calculator was, killed you by giving you the number that kills you? <laughs> <laughs> it's in Maine. It's in Maine, and there's a there's a bully, and he's gay, but he's a gay bully, and he doesn't realize it. And the calculator is like, kill the boys. <laughs> Jake and I clearly have done tons of coke in our in our days, so we have a really good cocaine impression for you. <laughs> yeah, it's just us going. I'm Stephen King. What if a chair killed you, and there was a gay <laughs> bully in Maine? <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Raimi uh, and his producer, Robert Tapert, who we brought up before, they want $4 million, but they only get $3.6 million. Still enough to go off and make their movie. Well, it's enough to make just another cabin movie. It's not enough to make Army of Darkness, which yes. is what Raimi was really banking on. Apparently, while they were uh, location scouting for the first Evil Dead, Sam Raimi uh, suggested putting Ash uh, through a time portal and sending him back to the Middle Ages. So the Army of Darkness is actually being uh, drummed up even even back before they were even uh, shooting the first movie. I mean, if you look at uh, one of the little ads that Shapiro put out before uh, Evil Dead 2 was officially made, there's uh, Castle Kandar, you know, yes. there's the demons. Like the, he, they, It's even said, in production, Evil Dead 2, parentheses, Evil Dead and the Army of Darkness. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, so... Um, Scott Spiegel, who I mentioned before, his childhood friend, they uh, wrote the script mostly during production of Crime Wave. Um, Spiegel was the one who wanted to make it less horror, more comedy. The script went through tons of drafts. Uh, there was one where a group of escaped convicts are holding Ash captive in the cabin while they're searching for buried treasure. So the Goonies uh, was a version <laughs> at one point. Um uh, while writing this script, by the way, Spiegel and Raimi were living in a house. Oh my God. Holy shit, Jake. Yeah. I, I literally was going to blank on this if you didn't bring it up right now. S Raimi and Spiegel <laughs> are living in a house in Silver Lake in LA with the Coen Very brothers. Very hipster neighborhood. Now. Right. The Coen brothers, Francis McDormand, Kathy Bates, and Holly Hunter, <laughs> all sharing one house with Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers. That's Fucking insane. I couldn't imagine. I would fucking kill to be living in that house during that time. It's like, like finding out shit. like you lived in an apartment with like Ben Kissel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, but like times a million. Uh, <laughs> 
So Ash's... And Holly Hunter's there for some reason. Yes. Uh, Ash's Hand is inspired by a film written and directed by Spiegel in 1979 called Attack of the Helping Hand. A woman comes home to prepare uh, and prepares to make a hamburger helper meal. When she sets the box on the countertop, though, and turns away, the hamburger helper helping hand materializes out of nowhere next to it, comes to life, talks to her, and tries to strangle her. And Sam Raimi himself plays the milkman in the film who gets murdered by the helping hand. So that was actually uh, uh, just some ridiculous... I want to watch The Helping Hand by... It uh, looks real dumb. Yeah, it looks I, real I saw stupid. clips of it. It looks oh, real dumb. Oh, awesome. You did see clips. <laughs> uh, the laughing room scene came uh, about oh after Spiegel God. jokingly used a gooseneck lamp to visually demonstrate a Popeye-esque laugh. <laughs> I loved The Laughing Room sequence. That's, that might have been the moment where I was like, okay, this might be one of my favorite movies when, of all time. Uh, when, when Ash and the lamp are both yes. like doing like the boingy, boingy, yes. boingy dance together. Um, that's one of the things that actually that really sticks with me and I think is part of what like scarred me about Evil Dead 2 is that the Deadites, or I don't think they're Deadites yet, they're like whatever, Kandarian demon or right. the presence or the force. Like it's it, They're very vague in these first two movies about what the things are called. Mm-hmm. But how malevolent, how just giddily cruel the possessed are. Like they just yes. took like the, like basically they just took like the, uh, your mother sucks cocks in hell, like yeah, yeah. Uh, bit from the exorcist and just made them that the game. Um, oh my God. And, and okay. So there's a lot going on in evil dead too, but <laughs> I just, just the idea that these, these, these creatures aren't just like, not just like devouring these people or like senselessly murdering. They are like emotionally fucking with these people Yeah, yeah. in like this childish way. It's is- also, it's so confusing too, because like if you've seen the first movie, they ignore certain elements from the first movie. Is this a remake? Is, they is this a sequel? It, they wanted it to be a a sequel ish kind of deal, but they by this time they had lost the rights ah. to the footage of their own movie, so they had to reshoot and reestablish who Ash was because they couldn't just like cut right back to. Uh, the the existing footage. It's and, really a soft reboot, right? Kind of, t- yeah. It isn't. It isn't because the like. There's also the shot of the presence rushing through the cabin and possessing Ash, which was the last shot of Evil Dead. Right. So like, it kind of flows into each other. It's a little weird, honestly. I was shocked at how tonally different these two movies were. It's so different. I was actually kind of embarrassing because like, um, <laughs> I was you know. I was I was over at Marie's place and like I'd never seen Evil Dead one and so I was watching it in the living room on my just sitting on my belly on my fucking dumb tablet and she's like oh are you watching it's like yeah it's like a horror movie she's like oh I don't like horror movies like it's like yeah it's Sam Raimi you know he's like kind of goofy it's like a deconstruction kind of funny it'll be silly cut to one tree rape later and the energy in the room (laughs) gets weird (laughs) yeah there's a lot and you have to remember too and it's not a funny tree rape scene I mean these are I was like oh boy I hope this Oh, this tree rape seems going to get funny. No, it's just a tree rape. These are fucking 20-year-olds just making a horror. Like, like, what movie would you have made when you were 20? There might have been some tree rape in there. I, I mean, who knows? would have made Fruitvale Station. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the filming is done in Wadesboro, North Carolina. Uh, there, uh, you know, they had, uh, this was way, they, at this point, they have a lot more film experience under their belts. All of them, Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell, Sam Raimi, everybody, they all have Sam Raimi's wearing a shirt this time. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
uh, they all had a lot, a lot more experience, and therefore this film set was way different from the first one. There was way less like horrible injuries and sickness and there was pain still and a lot of agony in this thing. Well, uh, for example, a decent amount. Yeah, in a in a weird mirror of the frozen nightmare that was filming the first movie. Uh, this movie they filmed in summer in a high school gymnasium between the sweltering summer heat and just the tungsten lights in the in the uh for the film set it was 110 degrees in there they're still using a lot of uh, corn syrup for the blood so they are just covered in flies uh in fact in a rewatch of the evil dead 2 especially on like a higher fidelity uh cut you see flies in every shot yeah because there's just rotting corn syrup everywhere yeah um, Ted Ramey, Sam's younger brother, plays the historian's demonically possessed wife, Henrietta. Uh, He's forced to wear a full body latex costume and crouch in a small hole in the floor, acting as a cellar. He was very overheated. The special effects artist Gregory Nicotero describes pouring the fluid into several Dixie cups so as to get it out of the costume. He was. It was just. Just gallons of sweat. Ted Ted Raimi said, if I had an early call, early for that character would be like 9 a.m. The process would typically start at 3 a.m. Sam's, uh, 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 they would begin gluing prosthetics to my face. That took about two hours. Then they would do the hands. Then the suit would go on. But the suit had giant bean bags to give it girth, which increased my the weight by 20 pounds. After the suit went on, it had to be blended into the face. It just sounds like an absolute nightmare. There are um, shots in the movie where you can see uh, a clear liquid pouring out of the ear of the suit. Yes. And that is just liters of his own sweat. Just, ugh. <laughs> uh, also, just... Ted Raimi gives a really great performance as Henrietta. Yes. She's genuinely like malicious and weird. The wonderfully idea of terrifying, scary grandma. Can we play like my favorite line from the movie? Sure. Uh, this is after uh, Ash gets thrown in the cellar uh, by the other cabin patrons. Uh, just, just hit it. Once in my fridge cellar, ah! <laughs> someone with a fresh soul. Oh, God, this fucked me up. Oh, yeah. There's something down there! Funny enough, do you know how they actually laid out the set? Uh, how? Um, because they built it in, gym- in a gymnasium, they had a lot of height clearance on the ceiling. So the cabin is actually built in two levels. The cellar and the uh, cabin itself is built on a second story above the cellar set which allowed for a lot of the effects shot because, you know, it's a lot of manipulation of puppets and various hoses from underneath the floorboards. Mm -hmm. So, like, so this whole time, all the scenes on the interiors of the cabin, they're, like, a few feet above the ground. Yeah. Um, uh, In addition, so it's sweltering heat. There's, uh, oh, God, um, there's all this, they're pumping fluids everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a scene where uh, Henrietta gets a hold of Jake, the uh, hillbilly, Mm -hmm. the hillbilly guy. And he's like getting liquefied and they're like blasting blood and his legs are kicking through the uh, cellar door. Um, If you notice the position of the liquid and the position of the actor and how his head is positioned, uh, you will believe him when he said he was drowning and it was effectively, you're just watching a man get waterboarded oh live on God, camera. Oh my God, Jesus. 
Well, anyways, I mentioned Gregory Nicotero briefly just now. He actually got his start working under Tom Savini and helping on films by George A. Romero. At that time, he'd already helped on Predator, Creepshow 2, and Day of the Dead. He was the guy who did all the special effects uh, for the film. So it's Pittsburgh and Detroit are just these like wells of just hardworking nerds just Mm -hmm. making nightmare fuel. Yep, pretty much. It's weird. Um, Campbell said of uh, developing his character, um, I would get the call sheet every day and there was always some stupid rig that I had to be in or some other monster makeup or me cutting my arm off or shooting someone in the face. And that always kept me busy. I never had to sit down and go, Sam, listen, let's talk about my character. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this movie was a minor box office success. It achieved just under $6 million. It got a positive reviews and a cult following. And like I said, I fucking loved it. I, I, I really think that this is the sweet spot. Um, now, uh, I, I'm actually, we're going to talk about some other Evil Dead properties before we close out the episode. But I do want to say, you might be asking yourself, why aren't they talking about Army of Darkness? Um, well, I think what we're actually going to do is, since that would maybe be a bit too long to go into or, or a bit too much to go into with uh, the amount of time uh, left for this episode... I think it might be some kind of bonus content or something, but we will cover Army of Darkness at some point in the future. All I have to say is I love Army of Darkness so, so much, and um, I can't wait to go back and rewatch it again uh, in preparation for that episode or bonus episode. We'll see what it is, but either way, we will come back to that, but it's just such, I mean... I it's 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 it is part of the series and yet it, it is such a, a phenomenal departure at the same time it's kind of something incredible um uh but uh evil dead goes you know kind of survives into other media um and even gets its own um actual soft reboot um that happened not too long ago I was shocked to find out that there was a 1984 uh, Commodore 64 Evil Dead game, a survival horror adventure game produced by Palace Software for the Commodore uh, 64 and ZX Spectrum. It looks like garbage. Yeah, Um, it's a Commodore 64 and a ZX Spectrum game. Yeah, yeah. Must have been programmed by like two chimps. Yeah, it it, it looks like the Friday the 13th game. Uh, It's it's the worst thing you could have said. Which is notoriously like a terrible game. Um, But anyway, I was just shocked that it, it fucking existed. You know, I just couldn't believe it. Um, but and then, oh, you know what it was? Uh, both of those computers, especially the ZX Spectrum, were huge in England, mm-hmm. and that's one of the countries where the original Evil Dead distro- like was a popular video nasty. There you go. Because I feel like Evil Dead, it kind of like went away for a while, unless you were a, a super duper horror nerd. Mm-hmm. But it really became, I think. I think people largely started discovering it more in like the early 2000s, like late 90s, early 2000s is when it sort of came back. And I think that had a lot to do with DVD sales. Mm -hmm. They had that awesome Necronomicon uh, version of Evil Dead 2 that a lot of my friends had. Um, And and it just does so many things like to to we went this whole episode without just like proclaiming how amazing Bruce Campbell's performance in Evil Dead 2 is. He is so damn fun is i was just noticing is there's a lot of like facial stills of him in these in these like google image and uh youtube searches he has such good comedic facial expressions because he was raised on vaudeville and slapstick right when he's fighting his own hand that is like genuinely talented physical acting it's really good um the fact that ash himself as a character at the beginning of the movie is so 
scared and cowardly and like grows into this monster fighter. And he and slowly loses his mind. Yeah. Like he literally gets because the great thing about and I mean, the, he and, survives like breaks and like grows. He he. It is, I mean, I, I I think one of the reasons why I thought it was so damn funny is I don't think I had seen a character before get that much shit thrown at him yeah. as an actor, <laughs> as a character, everything. Like, it's like, good Lord. And the fact that he gets transported back in time to an even worse <laughs> situation is, like, amazing and hilarious to me. Um, the... Uh and that's what makes uh, uh, that's what makes the character like so persistent is that there's very little good guys in horror. Yeah, uh, there's very little. Yeah, that you really get behind. Yeah, you really get behind. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I I I, uh, I agree with that. Uh, it's pretty incredible what you see him him do go through and deal with. Uh, and he, he's he's kind of lame. Like the fact that. Uh, all of his catchphrases and the way Bruce Campbell kind of imbues him with this like Elvis kind of energy. He's like a real character. It's like through these little glimpses, it, it's a very, it's a very appealing idea because he's this twerp in the first one. He's a twerp in the beginning. It's actually, uh, this is, this is amazing to learn. Um, he had an on set, uh, personal trainer that was carefully monitoring his workout and nutrition schedule while they were shooting so, like, literally, he starts the movie less uh, jacked uh, than when he ends it with the full, like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Megan, could you hit the uh, Evil Dead 2 uh, clip? This is, this, is, uh, this is when he finally suits up with the chainsaw Which, by the way, the shotgun. This, this... Scroll, scroll, scroll. This quick series of shots of him building the uh, hand chainsaw has been used in so many different movies. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. He's gonna shaw. He's gonna saw off the shotgun. This chainsaw, which is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Elbow drops it. Flips the shotgun. Music swells. And then the zoom in. <laughs> which at the time he might as well have said boom shakalaka or like where's the beef? Like that catchphrase. Like it just it's adds so to good. his hokiness. It's so good. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, um, um, back to the video games, but I'm glad you brought that up. That is such, I mean, he's so fucking great and charming and just immediately you just want to keep watching him get shit thrown at him. <laughs> uh, so there's Evil Dead, Hail to the King, a 2001 PlayStation Dreamcast Windows Survival Horror Game. Oh, it's, it's real like jank. Resident Evil. It's, it's real, real jank. jank. <laughs> Evil Dead, a fistful of boomstick, an action hack and slash for PS2 and Xbox in 2003. Did you play that at all? No, uh, there is, if you mentioned the game on thinking of i will be very impressed bruce campbell voices ash in this by the way and tom kenny does voices for this game nice uh evil dead tom kenny of course the voice of spongebob evil dead uh regeneration another hack and slash for windows ps2 xbox and mobile in 2005 those are the only games i wrote down you had a different one uh all right this is uh army of army of darkness defense for the iPhone ah. is a free to play like tower defense mobile game with Army good. of Di It's really good. Wow. It's right. incredibly addictive. Um that's cool. Like you'll think you're out of like it does a good job of like you don't need to do any microtransactions. Nice. You never need to buy gold. They give you enough to work with what you need. It's just a matter of strategy. But it's really fun and really addictive. Um and then of course there's the 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 I mean 
The influence of Evil Dead has spread so far and wide. There's the musical, a Canadian rock musical that was first performed in 2003 at the Transact Club in Toronto, Ontario. Ends up moving, getting so successful, it moves to Off-Broadway in 2006. I remember it being um, a big hit and people really loving it. Apparently, it's really funny. Um, I was just uh, glancing through some of the song titles, which I can't remember offhand, but they they made me laugh even. Like, what the fuck was that sound, I think, was one of the names of the songs. It looks like it's a really fun um, uh, if I wanted to watch a musical based on a Sam Raimi derived film, I'd be watching Spider-Man turn off the dark. Thank uh, you very much. Uh, which we still need to go back and talk about. We never covered that in our Spider-Man episodes. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, hold on. Let's read some of these titles, uh, from Evil Dead, the musical housewares, employees, employee, uh, it won't let us leave. <laughs> Look who's evil now. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Good old reliable Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bit part demon. <laughs> Good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun. All the men in my life keep getting killed by Canadian Kandarian uh, <laughs> demons. Um, An ode to accidental stabbing. Do the Necronomicon, of wow, course. Wow, there's a lot of songs. Blew that bitch away. Uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, very cool. So uh, uh, I absolutely fucking loved the soft reboot in 2013 directed by Fed Alvarez. Um uh, did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it in theaters. It was intense. Is it Fed or Fede? I never had to say it out loud. It was intense, and it was good AF, motherfucker. <laughs> um, it was a script uh, written by Alvarez and Rodo Sayagas, but it was doctored by Diablo Cody to Americanize the dialogue. Um, which is interesting. She had a hand in it. Produced by Ramey Campbell and Tapert. Um, the film employs no CGI except for just touch-ups. Mm-hmm. Everything is real uh, effects, which is incredible. It it's, makes it the opposite of that thing reboot no one cares about. It is straight up a actual, like, good-as-fuck a serious horror film. Mm-hmm. There's not a ton of comedy at all. There's no very, very pretty yeah. much none. Um, and it's, it's sort of, it's a soft reboot, but it takes place, you know, in the timeline of the like years after the events of the movie, the car is still out front of the house when they get there. The, um, it, uh, uh also, but it is, it is really good. It captures I the theme of it. possession as like more of an unsettling thing, watching your friends like decay and like the helplessness of it. It's, the yeah, violence is oh, way over the top, like yeah. way, way big. I had it. I saw it in the theater with a bunch of buddies, and we had a blast. How much claymation headless women were there? Because Evil Dead Two had some really good headless. I'm trying to remember. There was just a lot of blood spray. There was a lot of very upsetting, like mutilation and stuff. It was really top notch in, in terms of. Uh, horror films uh go and so yeah i i I loved it i would highly recommend it actually it was was really great and then um there's the tv series which i really need to dig into i have not watched any of it yet start with the if if you just watched the pilot it was directed by sam raimi and it feels like a genuine evil dead sequel ash versus the evil dead is supposed to be phenomenal um they uh, introduced a puppet character called ashy slashy (laughs) who's like a little little fuzzy bruce campbell he's fun 
Uh, Bruce Campbell stars along with Ray Santiago, Dana DeLorenzo, and Lucy Lawless. Uh, yeah. It aired starting in 2015, and the third season is set to begin um, on February 25th, 2018. So it's still running, and apparently everyone tells me how great it is and how much I need to see it. It's set 30 years after the first three films, and uh, I'm just so glad we're still getting new Evil Dead to this day. New films, new TV. It, it's amazing how long... This crazy horror film created by a bunch of kids in the middle of the woods is still this like prominent entity that people just can't get enough of. Just love. Sam Raimi is like a fascinating filmmaker. He's done like so many things, but he has highs and lows. Like he'll 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 sure. like knock it out of the park. He'll dream big, and then he'll just really whiff going for the uh, going for the bleachers. So like. Evil Dead will always be there because no matter yes. where he goes, no matter what conventions. Well, I will say, too, a movie that felt largely like Evil Dead, that's a completely different IP, uh, Drag Me to Hell. I, like, loved Drag Me to Hell. Oh, yeah, because he uh, brought back so awesome. many of the team. Yeah. It was kind of like almost a reunion of the Evil right? Dead It feels team. like an Evil Dead movie, just a different, you know, storyline. It is really funny, really great horror, like, awesome. So, anyways, there's there's tons uh, there to dig through. And uh, we hope you enjoyed our episode on Evil Dead. We will, of course, circle back around at some point and get you some Army of Darkness as well. Uh, <laughs> Remember when Bruce Campbell just keeps his smashing plates on his head? Yes, it's uh, the best. <laughs> with the one hand i mean it's so good anyways it's so damn good uh uh thank you so much for joining us please rate and review us on itunes if you love us if you like us if you like like us um uh also if you'd like to check out our patreon to get that bonus content we put bonus content once a week for our five dollar patrons uh just go check that out on patreon.com forward slash whizbrew uh y'all y'all who have already uh, signed on uh are really making our lives livable it is like so important to us um, no, it's that, the, that we get it's, that support from it y'all. It used to so be that so we would much. do this every week and I would honestly be like, you know, putting aside plans. I would be like, you know, researching. I would it's it's, it's a it's a huge time commitment. I think, oh, my God, like, am I are we like doing the right thing with this? And you guys have shown your love and it's genuinely uh, amazing and so helpful for sure. Uh, follow me on Twitch, uh, Hold Nader's Ho, Jake. Follow me on Twitter, at Best Jake Young. Thank you so much, everybody, and have a great day, night, whatever the fuck. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.